forever. Dog. Hey folks, it's me, Ben Blacker, the creator and host of The Writer's Panel. Thanks for listening. It's 2023. Things are weird. It definitely feels like a storm is coming. Folks are um folks are out pitching. Folks are making shows. I'm glad there's some life in this business. Um but it feels weird out there. People, especially new writers, um, folks who have just broken in, and people like me, um, sort of the the middle class of writers, are very uncertain. It feels bad. Um, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about it. I talk about it on these next few episodes of the podcast uh, with my guests who have great perspective. Um, they're all good writers and good people. And I think you'll enjoy these upcoming episodes. Um, I'm writing. I feel like that's that's the thing to do. Um, you know, at this point, we have a backlog of material, but we're really proud of all of it. Um, and would love to find a home for it, but we'll see. We'll see what things look like in the next few months. Um, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm making a lot of pizza. I got to walk for Christmas. I've been really enjoying that. Not for pizza, for making other food. <laughs> um, those have been giving me great creative satisfaction, um, even as I hammer away at some scripts that I really want to write. Um, I've also really enjoyed writing this weekly newsletter. I, I hope you'll check it out. Uh, if you don't already, um, you can find it at benblacker.substack.com. Um, and it's been really fun. I love the little community that's popping up around this newsletter and hearing from the same uh, folks who are breaking into the business or who are in the business um, in the comments and in my emails and stuff. It's it's really cool. Um, and, and I've loved sort of like working stuff out in this newsletter. Um, in, in January, I wrote all about process. Um, and what what the process is, like some real nuts and bolts stuff, um, what the process is for some established writers I've talked to over the years, and then what my process is. Um, the most fun thing has been the monthly Q&A um, sessions with professional writers. And it's been just a terrific, like people are coming out for this. It's so much fun. Um, we just had one with uh, the You creator, and showrunner Sarah Gamble, who was also my boss at Supernatural. Um, but we had uh, Jane Espenson, uh, Akela Cooper, who, who wrote Megan and has been on the Star Trek shows, and she's writing a ton of really fun, cool horror movies. Um, gosh, they've just been, they've been so uh, enlightening and, and like getting to, you know, we've had like 10 to 15 subscribers show up to each of these um they're for only for paid subscribers of the the newsletter uh, and we've had like 10 or 15 folks show up and and everyone's gotten to ask their questions and and talk to these pro writers and get advice and and sort of connect so i highly recommend it um i hope you will subscribe to benblacker.substack.com and become a paid subscriber and join these q a's uh you both get the the access to these zoom meetings but you also get the recordings later if you can't make it and they're well worth listening to i'm not going to put any of them out as a podcast for at least a year um and so the only way to hear those and the only way to participate is to become a paid subscriber benblacker.substack.com i think it's worth it (laughs) i'm maybe biased um but i think it's worth it and i am enjoying doing it and honestly i'm learning a lot about my own process and the things i'm concerned about in the industry, even as I write these weekly newsletters. Uh, Hopefully you'll get something out of them too. Come by and sample. If you like what you see, become a paid subscriber. Um, It's all really helpful, especially in these uncertain times. Thank you as always for listening. Please enjoy uh, these next few months of shows. I think they're some of the best, some great folks with some really good advice. Um, I really enjoyed talking to all these people. Thanks. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah!
Um, what I'm going to do first is ask you to introduce yourselves on the microphones so the listener knows what you sound like. Uh, tell us who you are and where the folks may have seen your name on their television screens in the past years and in recent years. And Leah, let's start with you, please. Um, all right. Uh, my name is Leah Fong, and uh, I most recently co-created The Midnight Club on Netflix. Uh, and before that, I worked on The Haunting of Bly Manor, uh, Once Upon a Time, and also The Magicians. Great. Thank you. That already presents a lot of questions. Uh, but Anna. <laughs> um, hi, uh, I'm Anna Fricky. I'm the showrunner uh, currently of Walker. And before that, you might have seen me on, from the very beginning, Dawson's Creek. And I don't remember what I did in between. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dawson's list? Creek, Everwood. Uh, what else? You've <laughs> created like, some shows. Oh, Being Human. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I, I block out the show that I that I did with my husband. Yeah, I, bl I block out. <laughs> that was, but no. <laughs> um, let's um let's get into so so Anna emailed me earlier and was like I'm all over the place this week. I'm on deadline. <laughs> I promise I will be there, uh, but I've I've got to hit this deadline. So what I really like my my most pressing question is what did your week look like for each of you? What is on your plate right now? You know, I think you both have deals in different places too. Am I right, Anna, that you have a deal with CBS? Yes, I'm with CBS Studios, okay. yeah. Um, who who are great. I'm working with them right now on something. Um, but I want to know, like, between the deals and running shows and developing shows, what did this week look like for you? And Anna, tell us about this deadline that you had to hit and tell me what else is on your plate. I told Leah, I told Ben, I was like, this is great if we're talking about the writing process because I'm in the middle of it. And I I don't know about you. I, I'm a mess on deadline. And I, I went in general, I'm a mess. And I'm a mess on deadline. And I was thinking too about to how funny it is to be so miserable when I'm in the actual act of doing what yeah. makes me so happy. Like I truly oh, yeah. do love my job and I, I just when but when I am on script it is a disaster and I I I just panic the whole time I I question myself the whole time anyway so my week has looked like a lot of avoidance then um <laughs> what do you do I, when you're avoiding what what are what how do you take yourself away from the computer well so I'm so I'm a, I'm 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 co-writing the the season finale for Walker and um so we're in production still so we have our regular production meetings and in between the production meetings I should be writing and instead I'll like take the dogs for a walk. I Jeremy my husband Jeremy Carver is also a writer uh for those who might be listening and we, he and I call it stress narcolepsy <laughs> I don't know. It's just like a thing with anyone else where it's like, I just, I have to go to oh, sleep yeah. right now. <laughs> it's like, I just. That's like, I, that was the Mad Men pilot. It's like, you know, you fall asleep and you hope something happens and sometimes nothing happens at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny. So, so listen, while we're on the topic, like, let's get in, let's get deep into process. Cause I think it's really interesting that like, you have, as a showrunner, you have all of these meetings that you have to take, especially when you're in production while you're writing. And you're expected to sort of like turn on that creative part or the different creative part in between these meetings and like grab 15 minutes to try to get a couple of pages down. Like, is that is that possible? Have you have either of you found tricks for ways to make that work? Well, Leah, I, I'm curious. Oh, sorry, I was just going to ask you. Oh, sorry. Oh, Leah, I was just going to ask you if you have found that motherhood has made it easier, because hmm. I was just going to say my fastest answer is that for me as a mom, it's it's also become like I have no choice. I have these 15 minutes, so I just have to write a page right now. So I don't know if if you've had that. Same I'm pressure. still learning how to do that yeah. <laughs> because, uh, you know, the baby was recent and I'm in this weird place where like when you were talking about having only 15 minutes between meetings and production, I'm like, honestly, I prefer that because for the first time in a while, I'm just developing. Hmm. And that's when you kind of have <laughs> no deadlines in a weird way. Like they're kind of self-imposed. The studio kind of says like, Oh, you know, when are we going to see this? But it's like all very diffuse and, it honestly makes it a lot harder. Yeah. My like, I don't know, like time just 
I don't know, it just billows in and out, except for the fact that my nanny um, leaves at 530. So that is very, very like a hard yeah. out for me. Um, so I'm learning how to deal with that because I'm actually, um, I'm a person who writes later in the day. Like I usually, I feel like generally start at like two. Mm-hmm. And then when your nanny is leaving at 530, you don't it's have over. very much time. It's, it's over. Yeah, I used to be like a two, a two to 10 p.m. kind of person. Wow. So um, honestly, now I'm like, I'm learning, I'm learning new tricks to like figure out how to structure myself. So what are some um, of those I'll let you know when I, when I have better... Um, you know, I feel like there's been a shift since the pandemic of, uh, more humane work hours. Um, and generally for like the writer's room for everything. Um, and I'm kind of applying that to myself to be like, you know what, I don't actually work well when I'm writing more than five hours in a day. So I'm just kind of like, now I'm like, okay, uh, I'm not going to push it past then. Like, I'm just going to write this amount and, um, it's, it's been good because otherwise you're just kind of like burning on both ends and nothing's really happening. Like you're burning a lot of energy. You're not really getting a lot done. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing lately. I mean, that sounds maybe like a little bit of a luxury, but again, I'm in this place, this place right now where I'm like not in like production, not in a room. So, uh, that's, that's what my days have been looking like. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Anna, similarly, you know, you are in production and, and you're grabbing those time, those moments. Um, but, and both of you have been on staff and like been writing your own things at the same time. So like, let's talk a little bit about what that looks like, you know, and given your druthers, what does a writing day look like for you, but what's the reality of it too? Oh, it's funny. Cause I, I agree with you, Leah. It is, it is easier to have those production deadlines for sure, because like right when we got on, Ben was asking me if I if I had met my deadline yet. And I'm like, no, but I have to this weekend because there are prep meetings on Monday. So I have to. It'll just have to happen. You know what I mean? And yeah, so, but like given my druthers, I it's interesting. I, I want to revisit this conversation with you, Leah, in like 10 years and see because I also <laughs> I, I changed I, my writing schedule changed completely. Like because I was also much more of a night person, like I would rather stay up really late working on something. And then I sort of switched to I'd rather get up at four and work on something while it's actually quiet. And, hmm. and get stuff done before people are up and asking things of me. I don't do that. Like all that, that's like extreme pressure. Um, but they're like when a holiday rolls around, it's like such a gift and like, <laughs> you're not getting emails all day. You're not getting people calling you all day. Like You, can you know what the most terrible thing is, is like, so, so our show films in Austin, Texas. And recently there was another terrible ice weather disaster there. And mm-hmm. we did have to shut down production for about three days and it's terrible, but one of the first things my co he's like, are we going to, do you think we'll get a couple extra days on the script? We got like, we got like one day. <laughs> we, you're just always up against time. Yeah. Um, and, and Leah, I'm curious about this on um, Midnight Club. Like, how is it, is it different on a streaming show? Like, do, are you still like up against the same hard deadlines and production stuff questions that that you get on network stuff yeah i mean you know obviously things kind of get spaced out and sometimes uh you know production is very separate from the writer's room but that doesn't mean that the writer stops (laughs) so there are always like a few people that are you know doing that as we're like in production so that's when the deadlines definitely feel tighter but um yeah it's a little bit different it's like you know you have to finish a script so like you can get a green light. Like you're in the room. I mean, everything is just so stepped out now, you know? So it's like, yeah. it's like one thing at a time. So it's like, they want to see, you know, this many scripts before they're going to do this and that. Mm. And like, you know, so we're, you know, the deadlines are, again, they feel a little bit weirdly self-imposed at, at parts of the process. But then, yeah, of course, once you're in production, um, you know, that train is going. So um, yeah, we definitely have to keep up I'm, at that I'm- point curious about those steps and like you all were coming off of Bly Manor you know like you're you're working on like a name brand thing how is it not just yes we want to make 10 of these or whatever it is like what what were the steps that you had to take and and what were the you know incremental green lights you were waiting for on Midnight Club 
Um, you know, once uh, we finished writing the pilot, then it's like, are we going to get a room? You know, um, and then after that, it was like, are we going to get a production green light? Um, and, you know, it's like, we have certain feelings about like, oh, but it feels good. Or we kind of know most likely, but nothing is like official, official. Like what's yeah. official? Um, and I think that's just the world we're all kind of living in now, uh, which is kind of tough. Um, but, uh, you know, it keeps you on your toes. What was the yeah. timeline like? The timeline for, for Midnight Club. Um, we started breaking the pilot probably in September of 2019. Um, around the time that actually, uh, Mike Flanagan was, um, prepping and shooting the, uh, the first two episodes of the Bly Manor. Oh no, the first one, he only shot the first wow. one. Um, and so, yeah, they were doing a lot of back-to-back shows in Vancouver. So I flew up there to work on that. Um, but then, you know, we got our, um, show green light in, uh, March of 2020. <laughs> and Perfect. so that was a moment where everyone's like, what is going to happen at all? So I think we were like, we were one of the first Zoom rooms to get up and running um, in yeah. April. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think, I think the production got a little bottleneck. So there was even more of a space in between the room ending and production than I think would normally happen, even with like, you know, a stream or Netflix show. Um, so yeah, that uh, it, it feels like it, it you know, a lot of stuff happened over the course of that. Like, <laughs> yes, absolutely. I just um, dated a whole human. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were in production. <laughs> yeah, well, I was in production. I was pregnant when I was up in Vancouver. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and Anna, Fun times. Uh, am, I, am I correct in assuming that Walker was sort of a more traditional timeline as far as development? Like, tell me, take me to the beginning of this um, process Take your time. Uh, take me to the beginning of this process. And like, again, this is a thing where like you're dealing with a known IP and you would assume that this is a thing that like CW or, or CBS is going to jump at. Um, but at what point did you become a part of this? Did you bring this to them? Like, give, give me the whole origin story, please. So for Walker, it was, I mean... It was a semi-traditional timeline. It was like Jared Padalecki, like this is going right. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. it seemed, but it wasn't, it wasn't a total given. It was sort of at the time it was between CBS and the CW, which would have been like a very different show on yeah. CBS, I think. Um, but, you know, the conversations with Jared definitely made it more of a sure thing you know but then we also got picked up uh I think you know we sold in January and then we were ready to start production and then pandemic so similarly so we were you know our room was up and running I think we were in person for one day and then we've been on zoom since you know March 12th 2020 um so we had like a very like season one was a very long protracted time between like we like we almost that was more like a streaming schedule than it would have normally been on broadcast because we did eventually get the writer's room up and we were writing episodes because we knew that we were a series but we didn't premiere until January so season one was like a very a very strange season but interesting Um, I want to ask you both about sort of the backing up from this, um, you know, tell me about development and let's talk about the development landscape right now. Um, you know, as we said, you're both under deals. It's still a guessing game. It feels like to me, um, like Leah, you're, you're in development right now, so you can speak to this, uh, actively, but like, tell me about, it sounds like you're writing something. Um, yes. <laughs> was this after stabs of like pitching to Netflix? How, how did that work and what did you bring them and what did you know to bring them? Um, you know, there's a lot to filter through. Um, and uh, this one in particular um, is a book that came um, to me through Sugar 23, who also has a deal at Netflix. Um, 
and uh, yeah, we're just developing it together. And um, as for STEM, <laughs> yeah, I like things are constantly changing. Like especially, I don't know, with this year. Like this is the first year in a while where I'm like, I have no idea what it's gonna look like. It could be anything, you know. Yeah. Um, Obviously, you know, people are worried about potential strike and then just everything that's going on in like tech and streaming. So um, I think at the end of the day, you really can't try to uh, go by algorithms or what you think someone wants of you because that is changing like every second. Um, so yeah, as I was filtering through everything, something came my way that I honestly, it was it would be the last thing that I, you know, would think that I would want to do. And yet it was the one. So oh, interesting. yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a weird process. Sometimes you just don't really know what's going to get you. <laughs> was there an expectation or did you feel like there was an expectation on you to deliver like another midnight club, sort of repeat the success that you'd already had? Luckily, no. Um, I am, I, I feel super fortunate that I've had the same exec since uh, I started working um, at Netflix on why. And so the consistency and the partnership that we've created has been great. And I think, you know, you work on staff or you co-create something with someone. Um, and, you know, it's like the voices are, you know, there's so many different voices always. Um, and I think as you like, you know, you get to know your collaborators and, and people at the studio, um, they start to be able to actually pick out what your voice is. Even when you're like yeah. a co-creator of a show, they're like, oh, this is you, this is this other person. Um, and so I think, you know, as I, you know, I'm moving on to this next phase, um, you know, they're, they're pretty open to things that are not necessarily like, you know, what I've done before. Um, so I actually, this is the first time that I've done something where like a ghost hasn't popped up or like an alien <laughs> or like a fairy or something like that. Um, but it does have murder in it. Um, and I feel like murder still like feels sure. like a genre and it's heightened, <laughs> but, uh, there aren't any ghosts, um, not not in a literal sense. I feel like everything always says ghosts um, in a metaphorical sense. So yeah, um, yeah, they've been they've been great about that. Um, but yeah, that definitely does happen um, mm -hmm. because I get sent a lot of stuff, you know, that is in that vein. And so it, it maybe that is why this particular thing. I was like, oh, this feels different. This is like what I want to be doing right now because yeah, I you know I have you know, mostly done like horror and fantasy. So um, I tend to get stuff like that sent my way. And yeah. I love that stuff. Um, I, for a second, I was like, no haunted houses for a second. I was like, no, <laughs> no YA. And then literally like, it's just, it's like oh, that sounds kind of good actually. So I don't stay away from it so long. <laughs> that's, that's fair. I, and I want to talk about the creative aspect of that in a second, but, but Anna, like the same question, you know, you've, you've been with CBS, there's been some consistency at that studio. Um, so I imagine those relationships have stay, stayed consistent, which is helpful to you. They, they know you. Um, yeah. But, but when you're bringing them material, like, again, what does that look like? What does that guessing game feel like? It's it it is such a bizarre guessing game, and I think now that there's so much TV and it's it, it's changing so much, like I I feel now more, and I haven't had to develop in a couple of years, so I feel like I'm sort of out of the loop on that. But I mm. feel like executives have started saying, "I'm not going to tell you what we're looking for anymore," because, and it is kind of funny when they tell you too, because you're like. Are you looking for good television? You know what right. I mean? Like, oh, oh, you want you want someone to tell you a good story? It's yeah. you want to hit? So, yeah. Oh, you want to <laughs> hit? And and like you don't know until like I feel like some of these shows you see it's like who would have known? You know? Who Absolutely. So I I don't know. Um, I it's funny. I I will say about myself sometimes that I feel personally like an odd fit for CBS because I. I'm I'm terrible with plot <laughs> like I'm not I, I would not I would like I would not assume that I would be the person who would adapt Walker Texas Ranger you know like I'm not a procedural person but and CBS I I often think does go very procedural but they're they're very character driven procedural mm -hmm. and and I do and I do like writing characters and I have always felt such great support there with executives like Brian Seabury and David Staff and and they really do 
really care about the writer and listen to the writer, I think. Um, but it's it's such a it's such a guessing game. So now I don't even remember the original question, but just in, 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 in talking about the development, like I, you know, after you've been doing something for a couple of years, they'll say like, well, what do you, if you could do anything, what would you do now? And it's like, God, I don't know. Like I, I've, I've been working for so long and I feel like you throw yourself into whatever you're doing. And so you love what you're doing, even if it's someone else's show or if it isn't what you saw yourself doing. And so the idea of, of, you know, having a blue sky moment is kind of wild, you know, but I hope it's to scary. have one. <laughs> it, is, it is scary because it's like, it's kind of easy to to talk the talk, right? Like, oh, if I could do that, I would do it. But then if you're given the chance, you're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> so it's, yeah. I, uh, my, my deal closed the same day that my water broke. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so that was like, it was so funny because so many people were like, oh, like he knew that his college fund was like ready so he can come out. I'm like, no, I was just really fucking stressed out and I just like ejected yeah. it out of my body. Totally. <laughs> but I totally believe that. Like, totally. Yeah. No, but it was, yeah. I mean, I was like, you know, it's my, it's the first time I've, I've had a deal anywhere and, um, you know, coming into this place where it's like, now, like, you're a kid in a candy shop. But at the same time, I like, you know, becoming a mother is like the most, like, identity shaking thing ever. And so it's like, there was just a lot of shake up. And I'm like, it, yeah. it took me a second to be like, what stories do I want to tell by myself? Because it was yeah. like the first time it was like, just me, yeah. you know? Um, and so yeah, that that took a minute. But yeah, the consistency of execs is is such a, a blessing um, because that's definitely not a given, especially at Netflix. Um, you I mean, know, there's obviously anywhere a lot of, now. <laughs> anywhere, anywhere. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I just know that like in the time that I've been there, I'm like, like how, so I've been with uh, the executive that I mentioned is Laura Delahaye. Um, and just as everything was changing around us, I was like, I couldn't believe that we still got to like hold on to each other. So <laughs> hopefully they just keep doing that. <laughs> Did here, here comes the creative part. Did the stories that you wanted to tell change after becoming a mother? No, um, I got sent some stuff though. There was like a, like a postpartum like psychosis haunting thing, and I was like, no, thank you. Um, not because like that stuff scared me or anything. I just like I was like maybe like if, I think any experience that you're going through like you need to process it before you can write about it. Usually when you're in it, yeah. you're not going to have the best insights about it. Um, but then, yeah, I don't know. A lot of people I know, they're like, oh, once I have kids, like things, I feel like I can't write dark shit anymore. And that hasn't changed for me at yeah. all, actually. <laughs> I'm like, I, there, I have a very like strong line between like what is going on in the world, which that just killed me. And, and like, but you know, when, when it's on screen, it's, it's very different um, for me. And, you know, we did, I did have some moments while I was pregnant and I was writing a show about uh, children with terminal uh, diseases where I was like, this is like, yeah, there was definitely a little bit of a moment, but you know, not that much. I don't know. Maybe I'm just (laughs) like, maybe I'm not in touch with my feelings. Uh, But no, that was totally fine. Like, um, yeah. I, uh, you know, there's just, I, I've dealt with a lot of cancer and, and dealing with a lot of cancer, like in family stuff. And mm-hmm. so I don't know, it's just, it feels like just a part of things. Like, I don't know, it doesn't, I didn't feel like, uh, um, I, it, it just felt like it was a part of everything that was going on in my life. And, um, and it just felt natural. It didn't feel, and, and, you know, we worried a lot throughout the process of like being, ex, you know, exploitative, all those things and, and sure. whatever, but. I don't know, with having a kid now, I'm just like, uh, it's funny because the one thing that a lot of people talk about is like how they uh, interface with sex differently once they have kids. And maybe my kid is not old enough for that to change for me. But um, the show that I'm working on right now has like a lot of sex in it in a way that I actually have not like worked on things like that before. Um, so yeah, I'm continuing to just like do whatever. Kid, no, it's not going to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Don't let them stop you. No, no notes from the kid. Um, I I, uh, a writer I talked to recently um, brought up something I thought was really interesting and, and along these lines about how like we discover things about ourselves as writers. Uh, the older we get, the more we do it. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, Anna, you've been working pretty consistently for a while. And I wonder about that discovery process for you. What have you found out about yourself as a writer, whether it's, you know, something about process or something about like 
interests in writing or a, a trick you didn't ever knew 20 years ago? I have been writing forever. It's true. Uh, <laughs> no, it is, it is like 20 something years. It's, it's crazy. I, I have been thinking about this a lot because I'm like, I'm now the oldest person in the room, you know, and can, pretty, pretty consistently. And it's like, oh, and I've been, I really, it's really important to me to mentor young writers and to, cause I came up as an assistant. Like I started as a mm -hmm. production assistant on Dawson's Creek and that's where I got my first script. And that was sort of, I was there for four years total. So that was kind of like school for me. So that's, I, I, I try to do that with, with all the younger writers um, coming up now. And I always think about, you know, how like in a relationship, there's all, well, I don't know if this is true for everyone, but there's always like the one fight you always go back to. That's like your classic fight. And <laughs> no, no. And there's like, but you know, there's like classic issues that you go back to. I feel like sometimes that's true in writing too. It's like hmm. my, the short answer to your question is I've come to recognize that my flaws in my writing, hopefully earlier than I used to or at least recognize them. Um, and I remember when I was a staff writer on Dawson's Creek, James Vanderbeek would always, there was always like the James Vanderbeek pass. Those were the blue pages where the, where the James <laughs> oh pages, because he would, he would call and, and like go through the script of the writer. And he told me that I wrote with the buckshot method and that I said, meaning like I said the same thing like three times. <laughs> Uh, and I would just write in these big blocks of, and I still fucking do, like I still do. And I still hear that voice over 20 years later. Oh my God, I got to take one of those sentences. out. like, I, and I think part of that, when I was a writer in my twenties, I was priding myself and like, this is how people talk. And like, yes, yeah. it is how people talk, but it's like that fine line of wanting to write natural dialogue and also understanding that people are watching TV to escape and that you're not writing a documentary. Yeah. You know? like, so not everyone has to ramble in big blocks of dialogue <laughs> like I just did. Uh, but I think that's, that's part of it. Though. It's just like rec recognizing, I don't know, catching yeah. yourself early or just sort of being in touch with yourself and not having to have that conversation with yourself turned into like, oh, I suck, I'm terrible. I need to go to sleep now. Um, <laughs> But, but that, you know, yeah, that self-awareness, like having self-awareness as a writer is really hard, right? We do tend to make the same mistakes in our writing, the same, you know, tend to follow the same patterns in our writing. Um, Leah, what's yours? <laughs> My what pattern? Is, yeah. What are your patterns? What are the things you find yourself that maybe these days you catch it earlier than you would have when you first started out? Hmm. It's a tough one. I just like, it's like, my pattern is like hating myself when I'm writing. <laughs> I don't know. Same, same. It's not unusual. It's like, there, the, the pattern is you sit down and you're like, I've done this before. And you're like, no, I have, but it's like, it feels like you, you this is the first time you're doing it. And it just keeps on happening. So like, I, I have to say that like, it doesn't get easier. It does in some ways. I don't want to like scare every writer out there, but it's just like, you are always going to be you. <laughs> no escape. Totally, um, totally. Yeah. So um, that's just a constant like struggle. I'm just constantly battling with myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are I'm you trying to see what gets easier. I well, want have, I want to like you give found... people some like light at the end of the tunnel. We we um... can we can get back to that, but have you found a way to push through the the self-loathing that goes on early in the process? Uh yeah, a little bit. I've always been a terrible um vomit drafter, actually, and that is something that I've gotten better at, and I'm getting better at rewriting. Mm -hmm. Um so you know that I think you just have to like be like well I hate myself and this sucks and uh I'll just keep working on improving it so just do it you know um yeah it's crazy I yeah sitting especially when you're like I think out of one project and into it a, a new one you're like you think you it's a fresh slate but you're just like yeah bringing all your baggage into it <laughs>
That's so great to hear you say that about the vomit draft, Leah, because I was about to say that too. It's like, that's, that is the hardest thing to get through. Cause when I, cause that's what I'm in the middle of right now. And you're looking at the scene and you're like, I just have to just, let me just like crank out what's just like the bad version of the scene. And then my worst fear is like, what if that's just the version? What if that is just the version <laughs> yeah. and I never get past that version, but you do like you, you're right. Like you do, you do get better at it. You get better at revisiting and rewriting and it gets, it gets better. Yeah. And sometimes that is the version until you step away for a little bit and you mm -hmm. get some notes and you come back to it yeah. and you just have to be okay with that too. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
it's, it's weird. I, I mean, you probably can speak this better because you just, you, you're still doing it. Um, I'm very yeah. much like, if, like if my thing gets picked up, I want to be in person very badly. Yeah. yeah. It's like being in person. It, it really does have so many benefits. Um, I, I like the flexibility. And like you said, I do, I do, I do like that our hours are more humane now. Cause there's just like, there's only so much time you can sit on zoom, but there's stuff yeah. in person that you just can't, it's even just like reading people's body language and just reading someone's vibe and being mm-hmm. like, let's take a break. Or just frankly, even just like the stupid room bits you do, like all the stupid jokes, like you, there's kind of less time for that when you're all just on a screen. Cause it feels, it feels more like you're wasting time if you're goofing <laughs> off, but yeah. those, I don't know, those, those times like to a point, like I, I, I always hated it when, I don't know. Like I've been, this is like a tangent, but like some offices where it's like, this room is now going to be dedicated to the ping pong table. And after work, it's like, if we're at the point where we're busting out all these elaborate games, I would rather go home. Like I would like to be home with my family. I don't, you know, but, but a room joke is, uh, is a beautiful thing. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I mean, especially I think for support staff, it's really hard to like kind of make connections and, and really get in there in yeah. the way that you would uh, in person. Um, and yeah. so that's another thing. Cause I just feel like, you know, building up again, younger writers, support staff, it's like, they need to be able to mingle like in the kitchen and stuff, yeah. but like yeah. be able to like show who they are and get in a conversation with other writers who they might vibe with. Cause otherwise it's just like box, 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 box. And there's no, way yeah. for people to have independent conversations really like I don't know breakout rooms could be a thing but that also just feels so like so know. forced yeah there's yeah. no hallway so moment forced, yeah. like yeah. it's like running into some or someone popping into your office and just being like hey how am I doing exactly. like do you have any advice yeah. for me or yeah yeah so I mean Anna you mentioned earlier that like you're trying to look out for those new writers the staff level writers that you're working with like how are you without having these sort of social norms that we got used to how can you do that like this is a huge problem in the industry right is like because of production being like on these streaming shows being so far away from you know what the the writing schedule was writers not getting a chance to produce their stuff but even just not having the opportunity to be in the room so what can we as showrunners do to look out for support staff and for for lower level writers i mean for our part, just in our room, like, which, like I said, is virtual. And actually even back when we were in person, um, you know, on Valor and shows like that before, I, I just sort of believe like anyone is welcome in the room, like anyone who wants to sit in, like if you're, if you're able to. So we've certainly had that now. It's like, what's it to me if, if the script coordinator is sitting in on the room, you know, like, I'm not, am I going to be offended by an extra box? Like, it's, I don't, like we all like each other, you know, it's like, we all work together for a reason. So I think it's like letting people sit in and I don't, we've been fortunate enough that that we've been able to give our support staff freelances That's great. um and everyone has done a really great job and then my only you know my my regret is not being able to then staff them you know um but we were finally this past year able to you know last season and also this season we were able to send people to set and so that's right. been really great and the freelances that we gave this year, we sent those writers to set with some of the more seasoned writers as sort of like chaperones. <laughs> and great. It was really, great. It was really yeah. great. Um, and I, I, so that, I mean, like that's, that's sort of all we've been able to do so far, but it's, I just, just making an environment where they feel like they can talk and, and can just listen in on things. And I sort of like welcome everyone on every call and, and every meeting. That's great. Um, and similarly, um, Leah, tell me a little bit about putting together, I know it was a while ago, but putting together the room for Midnight Club. Um, were these folks you had worked with before? Uh, were yeah, they we were really fortunate. Like? Yeah, it was, it was actually, it was great because I actually knew everybody before. Hmm. We had worked on different shows before um, and almost everybody in the room, like so, like everyone knew someone in the room so that helped with the shorthand when we first got into it but uh we had people coming on from blind so we had just worked with each other which was great um and then another writer um 
Playworked with on Amazing Stories. I brought her on. Um, and then there were people that were on Midnight Mass, Mike's other show. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was just, uh, um, we were able to get in there and not have to like be like, so, you know, hi, I'm like do this whole thing. So that was, yeah, that was really, really nice because the shorthand was super, super helpful. This, I've been hearing this a lot, um, you know, like having that shorthand, especially, you know, we talked earlier about time always being uh, of the essence uh, on these productions, but it makes me a little worried about the folks who are breaking in or even the folks who are, you know, like the, the middle class of writers right now, people like me who are <laughs> trying to get into these rooms. Um, yeah. Like, where does that leave us? How, how do, how does someone like me or how does, you know, a new writer introduce themselves to you when you are staffing a show? I know. That's a <laughs> silence. You don't have to solve it. But. There, is, there is no hope, Ben. There is no hope. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> that's no. what I've been hearing. No, I mean, God, I, that's a really, that's a great question. I mean, I, I, I just always respond well to a Frank story like that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I, because I really do. I'm like, you can tell that I'm in writing mode because I'm editing everything I'm saying. I'm like, no, nah, it's dumb. Don't do that. That's stupid. Give us your vomit draft. But, but like what you're saying about, like, I, I really do appreciate someone who's lived a life and is like, and is aware of that and is, and is very frank about it in a meeting. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, is it, is just being sort of very honest about where they are and, and recognizing that, you know, like, I think it is important to have, brought some life experience into a role and to have done other jobs and to have tried other things. You know, I, I feel like there's a bug fly <laughs> Maybe that's what went in your mouth earlier. <laughs> that's what caused the coughing fit. Um, I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's something to that for sure, right? And I would imagine, you know, no matter who you wind up hiring, you're, you're reading a bunch of material anytime you're, you're staffing. Yeah. yeah, I think it's like, I mean, it's exciting because, you know, you, of course, there are a lot of people that you knew before and a lot, but a lot of times, like, you're always looking for, like, one or two, you know, a couple new people. Like, I don't like it sounds so terrible, like, one <laughs> It depends on where you are in the season. I mean, obviously, yeah. when you're in multiple seasons, it, it's less, but then, you know, again, there, you know, Midnight Club, it was coming off of a bunch of other shows yeah. that were all kind of anthologies, but it, it had the same flow of, like, oh, yeah. the same staffs are kind of, like, you know, moving on to the next thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you just you really just want to like have somebody else in the room that, you know, you can hang with. That really is always the thing. Like they just, yeah. like, it, it's, it's a vibe thing. That's yeah. again, why um, hopefully, even if, if you are to, if we, you know, were to not be in person to be able to meet someone in person, I think is really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's, I don't know, new material, new people is, just as exciting as like working with an old friend. I mean, I've met totally. so many of my friends are writers and, you know, I've met them being the new person and, or they're the new person. And, um, and then it's, I mean, it's just such a great thing to yeah. like have fresh blood. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's a great, the fresh blood thing is very important because it is, you're, you're so rightly, it is such a vibe thing. And I always feel like, because you have to imagine like, okay, what is this room going to be like for four to six to eight hours a day or whatever. And it's a dinner party. It's like a very long dinner party. And you have mm -hmm. to kind of think of what that's going to be like. And I do feel like more and more in a positive way, we're all being pushed to, okay, but don't just bring all the people up to the dinner party who you like and who you're going to agree with. It's like, you do have to, you know, have a diversity of opinion and background in the room. And that has been really important and we've definitely had some very awkward uncomfortable days you know which is but it's good you know it's like not everybody is for everybody in the room and and that I think is a good thing too so it's like finding that vibe but which is sort of like the family dinner because it's like <laughs> Well, that moment sucked, but anyway, where is dessert? You know, like you're, right. you're, you're not going to leave the table, you know? Yeah. So it's like yeah. pushing, pushing people to their, to their comfort levels so that they can still cohabitate, but it's not all same, same. 
That's a great way to think of it, right? We're we're all still pushing this thing forward together, even if even if some of you are weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask, uh, as we start to write, uh, wrap up, what is something, what's one piece of advice you would like to give to new writers or folks who are new to the business? So whether it is about, you know, the craft or whether it is about the business itself. I leave that to either of you who wants to jump in first. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say one thing. Um, this is for this is for staffing on a show. And this I think this was a hard lesson for me and something I'm I'm starting to try to say to younger writers is to do the best job writing the show you're on. Um, which doesn't sound very exciting because you you think like, oh, I want to show them like my voice. And it's like if they've if if you're writing for this show, they probably read your sample. Like they, they know that you can, they know that you can write. They like what you're bringing to the table and you having a particular voice in the room and point of view in the room is great, but that doesn't necessarily mean that a person wants that on the page. It's like, they want the show on the page. And I do like a show where you can tell, Oh, that's a Ben episode. Oh, that's a Leah episode. Like I, I do, I do like that, but you're still writing the show that you're writing. And so it's just like, just try to be aware of, of, of catching that tone and not worrying so much about your own tone shining through. Cause you can do that later. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that, I hope that doesn't sound disheartening, but I feel like hopefully it's useful for younger writers. I, I honestly, it's something I wish I had known starting out in my career. And I think like, just to, to follow through on that, I think both of you have been, fortunate to work on shows where you did get to have your voice even as you were writing the show that you were working on. I mean, Once Upon a Time was for sure that, you know, being human, though that was your show, but even ones that preceded that, like like Dawson's, I imagine, like you got to tell stories that were important to you while still writing in the voice of that show and, and serving the showrunner. Definitely. Um yeah, it's funny that you like, I think that's actually really great advice because I wish I had known that in my first trip. Yeah. Um, and then there are rooms that like really actually like kind of teach that to you. Like they tell, like, um, I always call once upon a time my grad school actually, because, you know, I came on in, you know, later seasons and it was such a well-oiled machine and, you know, the show really knew what it was. Um, mm-hmm. And it was so nice as like uh, a young writer to know what the target was. It felt so yeah. good. Because the worst thing when you're on staff is like the target is moving and you have no idea what it is. And um, that's really scary. But I think, you know, the on that show, you know, uh, they would even ask us to write sides first or, you mm-hmm. know, um, you know, a scene, what, like uh, like one scene or whatever. And so by the time you actually got the script, like you were um, you were like, you know, you were brought in um, and you knew what you were doing and you knew what the target was and like hitting that target. It feels good. <laughs> Um, I want to ask one other thing, which is, you know, both of you are showrunners and we often talk about getting notes on uh, from executives or studios or whatever. But I want to ask about giving notes also, as long as we are talking about young writers and, and the writers <laughs> on your staff. What have you learned about giving notes, creative notes to others about your show? Oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. I'm terrible. At, I learned that I'm terrible at it and I'm trying to get better. Why um, do you think you're terrible at it? Well, because my first, like on being human, for example, my first instinct, I'm very non-confrontational. Um, and so my first instinct would just be like, great job. Like I would give very general notes and like, great job here. I'm just going to take it on the next, fa- you know, I'm just going to, and then I would never really get into it, you know, into why or I just, and now I try to be much more to give good, to give positive and, and constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I try to like really write within the, you know, write on the page and like show it to the writer of like, here's what I'm responding to. Here's what I mean. It's, it is, 
I find it to be very difficult because I take things so personally and I especially not now I'm, I'm dead inside now, but, but when, but like when I was a younger writer, it was like, Oh my gosh. But I just, as you were saying, um, Leah about like knowing what the target is. Cause I, I kind of had to put some writers through the ringer and then I'd be like, I please don't be disheartened by this. I value you so much on the show. I love your voice on the show. I'm just talking to you about this particular episode. And the writer was like, no, honestly, I, I am actually, I don't take this hard at all. I understand that. I can't remember what the writer said something about like, this is your garden and I'm just happy to be growing in it. You know, just sort of like <laughs> that. I I'm trying to be better about knowing that giving the feedback is ultimately a good thing and that it's not going to destroy yeah. a person. Um, yeah, yeah. That is hard. hard I'm not, I'm not good. Yeah. I'm not good at it. I'm not good at it. But you do recognize, which I'll, <laughs> I'll say, I appreciate like having been through both sides of this where like just having someone take it and rewrite it doesn't teach me what you want the show to be. Right. And so the fact that no. you are now giving the notes is extremely valuable. Well, cause I would always think like, Oh, they'll see what I did and they'll get it, right. but you're not going to, I don't get it that no. way. Like I, like I've, I've been on shows where I've been heavily rewritten and I'm like, well, I don't get it. It's lateral. It's not funny. And sometimes it is lateral. <laughs> sometimes right. it is. And I say that to them too. Yeah. It's how you hear it. Yeah. One of the, yeah. You know, um, yeah, I, I, I honestly, it, that's hard doing it like for a specific show. Um, I do feel like one tip that I would say for if you're giving notes to friends, <laughs> like other writer friends or other people, whether it's like, you know, their pilot or someone's making a feature or like whatever, um, give them the size of notes that they need for the step that they're at. <laughs> because oh, that's so good. Yeah. Like, I just, yeah, I just see, like, I've given notes to people where they're, like, especially in post, and, like, the notes are, like, for, like, no, that you would have had, you would have had to have given that note when they were scripting it. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, that happens a lot. Um, and so I would say, like, look at where you're at and uh, give them, and also timing. Like, if someone's, like, I have this much time to turn this around, then you give them that size amount of notes. Um, but again, these are for like their projects, not mine. So, <laughs> no, that's really um, good though. That's different. really, yeah, that's really good though. Yeah. I mean, look, some, there are some people who are at the stage where they just need to hear, keep going. This is a great start. Exactly, keep going. Yeah. Like you can get to the real stuff later. Um, <laughs> this is fa absolutely fascinating to me. Thank you both so much. Uh, we'll end as we always do by asking what you are watching on television these days. What's getting you excited or inspired? What are you talking about with your rooms, your friends, your loved ones? Um, and either of you who wants to jump in? Well, I mean, this is obviously so in the zeitgeist, but uh, White Lotus has been amazing. Um, but then most recently, um, uh, Interview the Vampire grabbed me in a way and so quickly, um, like, I don't think a pilot has done that in a while. So oh, wow. I like binged that one pretty quickly and I really liked it. And, and I feel like people are watching it, but I'm, I get to tell people like, watch it as opposed to White Lotus. So they're like, fuck the <laughs> I, yeah, so I keep hearing how good it is. Um, I got to start it. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I, 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 uh, I love vampire stuff. I will watch vampire trash. Um, <laughs> but, uh, this isn't that, um, you know, I feel like they had, something new to say um and they did a really great job with it That's um just like certain things i mean especially just because like I, everyone loves you know obviously the movie but um to actually have it gay it's great yeah it's a <laughs> so nice change, one change i'm <laughs> glad that they finally did that <laughs> um i would absolutely watch a show called vampire trash Oh I don't yeah, know what it is, we'll but it. I'm in. <laughs> I think yeah, you need to make that a thing for sure. Um, Anna, so Anna, what, what are you happens watching? is they 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 dispose of the bodies and then they turn into zombies, and it's just a zombie show. Right. So yeah, I mean, I think we just trash. I think we just sold it. I think it's pretty. I think it's um the green light. Yeah, I mean, also Zeitgeist, but yeah, I've really I've really been enjoying The Last of Us. Um, that's, that's the show that Jeremy and I watch together. We don't always watch shows together. We sort of go off on our own tangents a lot. Like there are a lot of shows that I watch alone that he never has any idea that I watch them. Um, <laughs> but like I, I, so for example, last night I was really excited that to see that you was back. Um, 
I really enjoy, really enjoy escaping into you. It's kind of, it's, it's bananas to me that it's in its fourth season. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's wow. like in a great way, like kudos to them, you know, and I was, <laughs> I was texting with, um with a, with a fellow writer and he was like, is that season three? I'm like, it's season four, dude. And he was like, hasn't that guy realized that he has a pattern? I'm like, yeah, he always knows. He always does. Like you would think that that was a one season show and it just kept going, just kept stalking people. Um, it's fascinating. I kind of love it. Fun. Anyway, that's a good one. These are good answers. Thank you both so much. I really appreciate uh, the chat today. Come back anytime. Thank you so much Thanks for having us. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.